0: My name is Peter Beinart. I'm a non resident fellow at the Foundation for Middle East Peace, and I'm very uh, grateful to be joined today for another episode of Occupied Thoughts by the executive director of the Israeli organization Peace Now, uh, Shaked Morag, who is uh, an important political activist in Israel who had senior positions in the Merits Party uh, before becoming the executive director of Peace Now. Ashiket, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thank you. I wanted to start
0: with a subject that comes up in the United States in the Jewish community a fair amount, and it has to do with what has happened to the Israeli left, or the Israeli Jewish left, let's say. So one thing that people say a lot in the United States is, well, the position of the left was discredited by the Second Intifada and the Gaza disengagement, that uh, Israel made these good offers to the Palestinian to Yasser Arafat, which was rejected, and then the Palestinians launched the Second Intifada, and then Ariel Sharon withdrew the settlers from Gaza, and Israel got rocket fire, so Israelis saw that the agenda of the left didn't work, was bad for security, and they've turned to the right. And so the left deserves what it got if it's no longer as strong in Israeli politics as it once was. And as an important figure on the Israeli left, I wanted you to talk a little bit about what you think has happened and what you think are the reasons that um, parties of the left, like Meretz, for instance, don't have as much strength today as they did back in the 1990s.
1: Uh, okay, th- that's a big question. <laughs> we keep asking it in Israel, like, what's the problem of the left? And every now and then someone comes and says, I found it, this is the problem of the left, let's mm. solve everything and we'll be in uh, power again. So, like everything else, it's complex. I want to um, challenge what you said before about the agenda of the left wing mm. being uh, uh, tried and failed. Mm um i'd like to argue that some of the uh, uh, what is uh, called as left wing uh, agenda was actually led by right wing leaders mm. so that it if if we would uh, uh, do it we'd do it differently, mm-hmm. for example uh, the disengagement from gaza mm-hmm. um when uh, when it uh, was Put on the table by uh, Ariel Sharon, mm-hmm. uh, peace. Now was in a big conflict whether to support it or not because it was actually a unilateral step uh, without negotiations, without um, any uh, uh, peace involved in it. It was a, a step that was mainly military and and uh, inner Israeli uh, that the Palestinians, the Palestinians had no say. In it, Uh, and I would argue that if uh, we do it bilaterally, the situation in Gaza today uh, could have been much, much better um, without this vacuum of power into which the Hamas got in. But generally speaking, can I can I just stop uh, you there? Can I just
0: Shaked? I want to just ask you to exp- elaborate, explain a little more because you're making a very important point that I think is not often understood here in the United States. Why do you mm-hmm. think the consequences of the disengagement were different because Israel did it unilaterally without a negotiation than they would have been had there been a negotiated agreement with the Palestinians?
1: So. <laughs> Um, Israel is looked at Gaza Strip as they usually look at the entire um, West Bank and the occupation as an Israeli matter Mm -hmm. that should be decided by the Israeli people and then uh, um, also uh, taken into action by us. But if you don't pay attention to what the consequences are on the other side then sometimes you leave chaos behind you. And I think that the, uh, the most important thing about a withdrawal is to make sure that there is someone else taking the the charge and the responsibility after you leave. Um, we saw it, in, for example, in the peace agreement with Egypt that Israel withdrew from a huge uh, um, territory, the Sinai um uh, desert, and the Egyptians took over the land and were, from that moment on, in charge of maintaining the, the security there and also keeping Israeli sides safe. And it worked. For 40 years now, this uh, treaty um, is maintaining the uh, border between Israel and Egypt, a safe border. And you can see that this not This is not the case neither in Lebanon from which we withdrew uh, unilaterally nor in Gaza. Uh, Because if you held the power and then you leave your position, there is a vacuum of power to which someone will enter and it will not necessarily be done in a democratic way and it will not necessarily have the means uh, of, of maintaining the situation stable. And we saw that Hamas took advantage of that situation, although they were elected democratically, they took over the power uh, in the Gaza Strip uh, uh, violently and kicked out the representatives of the Palestinian Authority. And from that moment on, they are the, the, the force that runs the situation there, and it's not for Israel's best interest. Uh, So if Israel would assure that before uh, withdrawing from the territory that there is a stable and someone you can talk to on the other side that takes the the position of power from the Israeli hands, uh, the situation today with Gaza could have been totally different.
0: Um, That's great. That's a very, I think, a very, very valuable insight. Um, um, I diverted you off a little bit, but you were just talking before more broadly about the evolution of the Israeli left.
1: So the same, Gaza is a very, very clear uh, case of of not uh, um, executing uh, the left-wing suggestion for uh, peace with the Palestinians, but also the Oslo Accords were not, fulfilled in the way they were meant to Uh, I just yesterday visited a Palestinian village uh, that was attacked this is off the issue also but it was attacked by um, uh, terrorists from the settlement nearby and we went there to, to show solidarity and they talked with us about their expectations for the occupation of the West Bank to end back in 98 because this was this was what the Oslo Accords uh, mentioned, a five-year process, and this process never ended. So when the right-wingers come to us and say Oslo failed, they cannot blame the left-wing for its failure, because the the, the person that was in charge of executing the accord was elected in 1996, Benjamin Netanyahu, and he just didn't want it to work. He did not want to end the occupation over the West Bank. Which is, in general, what we suggest, so uh, i 'd say that uh, on, on the principal level, I still believe that the two state solution uh, that is the, the let's like, say the, the main goal of the peace camp in Israel is still the most viable solution and the most pragmatic one on the table, but for us for the for the activists um, The situation also has deteriorated because we, uh, especially in the last decade, we've entered into a corner of eternal opposition. Uh, We are the ones that don't have uh, almost any expectations from the right-wing government, especially the last one, led by Netanyahu. We don't have faith in him as a, a truthful leader that will lead Israel to peace. So we ourselves acting as a civil society in different politics, we, we go straight to the people, we go to the media, we go to the international community, and we don't see the Israeli government as someone we can go to uh, with our uh, demands. And hopefully, we'll maybe elaborate on that later, but hopefully we're going to face now A paradigmatic change in our in our methods of action because we're going to have a different government to which we can go but at the moment what we do is exposing the the situation trying to let the people know what's going on in the West Bank and under the Israeli occupation discuss the the, um, ramifications of the Israeli policy and try to to raise awareness, but uh, this is a very problematic position to be at because you remain, as Netanyahu himself stated, you, you become sour. He calls us the sour people. He says we, we can never celebrate, we can never love Israel as much as the people in the right wing love it because we keep complaining, we are the sour people who, who poop the party. But uh, uh, this is a, a, an actual challenge for us to find reasons uh, to to unite and celebrate and and show that we are actually pro-Israel, um, and that's the, the main motivation for our activism, not only to complain. This is not something that I'd wake up in the morning for.
0: So you mentioned um, the possibility of a new Israeli government um, uh, under Benny Gantz, if he's able to form one. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about his orientation, the orientation of his, poli- of his party, uh, blue and white. My understanding is that they have not officially even endorsed the, the two-state solution. What, what do you see as the possibilities that this could actually be a government that might try to, to move in an important way towards serious negotiations, towards ending the occupation?
1: Well, uh, first, you're absolutely right. Uh, Blue and White's platform does not include the two-state solution, and that's not by mistake. They have members in the party who do not support the two-state solution. But I, as an, as an, as an optimist and, and as a peace activist and as an agent of change, as I see myself, I try to stick to the... Um, Potential that the blue and white does have, which is uh, they do um, call for peace. They do see themselves and Israel's best vision as um, Israel as, in, in, as a democratic state, and they do understand that maintaining the occupation and even uh, making it um, uh, um, not temporary anymore, uh, or, in other words, annexation is something that will destroy Israel's character as the Jewish and democratic state. Uh, Both, by the way, both uh, uh, the the Jewish part and the democratic part of its definition. And that's why they do oppose um, annexation. We did ask them that before the elections. They also um, support uh, um, more... um, presence or more action of the Israeli um, policing powers uh, in order to enforce the law in the West Bank and not allow uh, the situation that is going now on there uh, of, of huge spread of illegal outposts and settlers' violence and um, blind eye turned to it by the government. And I think that those components can be important in building trust between Israelis and Palestinians to the point that a two-state solution can be discussed once again. I can also tell you that um, in the last Saturday we had a big uh, rally in memorial of uh, Yitzhak Rabin, and Gantz was the main speaker there. And, of course, uh, whenever we... Uh, uh, gather together to to remember Rabin. We celebrate his uh, peace achievements and peace efforts, and Gantz did speak about the importance of peace. And I did hear him speak in other places, uh, again, about the need for regional peace and also the need of Israel to strengthen its relations with the Palestinian Authority, which is a sharp change from the current policy by Netanyahu, which is to strengthen Hamas and give them budgets from Qatar and letting them be the leading power with which it's much more hard to even think of going back to the table of negotiations. So I do believe that uh, guns taking uh, over the leadership does open a big window of opportunities for the peace camp to um, to have some of its demands uh, promoted uh, in the right direction,
0: I think one of the things that Americans um, don't generally don't know or don't think about very much is the fact that when Robin did uh, launch the Oslo process, he had the support um, uh, of Israel's uh, Palestinian Arab parties, um, and um, I wonder what you think are the possibil the chances that gantz would create a coalition which includes the the joint list the 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 amalgamation of the different uh, arab palestinian parties of israeli uh, arab palestinian citizens um, uh, it would seem to me tell me if i'm wrong that that would be a, a very important part of him having the political support to actually move forward on serious negotiations do you think he's open to doing that
1: Well, uh, what Rabin did have is the support of the representatives of the Arabs in Israel uh, who were outside of the government, and so they they were not part of the coalition, but they did not oppose him, and they did not vote out his government. That's something that Gantz can absolutely, I hope, rely on, and I also have heard Ayman ode the leader of the joint list, uh, which represents the Arab sector in Israel, talking about uh, exactly that about counting the Arab citizens of Israel as an electorate worth uh, working with, worth trusting, and building uh, trust relations with uh, Gantz. Um, and I really hope that Gantz takes the opportunity to do exactly that. Um, I think that after a long time of incitement in Israel by the government uh, against the Israeli Arabs, this is going to be a big challenge. This is not taken for granted that you can just get the Arab support and and form a government. Uh, That's too much for some of the Israeli citizens that uh, were led to believe that all Israeli Arabs are against the state and are potential terrorists. Uh, Unfortunately, and and one of our main jobs now uh, in the left wing in Israel and the peace camp is to uh, rebuild that trust, to put uh, front and center the possibility and options of uh, collaboration between Jewish and Arab people in Israel, both in civil society and in politics. Uh, We do um, run campaigns uh, on that issue, and we do... Uh, we did demonstrate together, for example, against the nation-state law that tried to divide us, and actually uh, for the civil society, And can tell you that it did unite us. It made exactly uh, um, um, the, the, the other effect already around. So, I do see that guns uh, people are, are not easily led to uh, talk against Israeli Arabs, um, but the delegitimization of collaboration with Arabs is, uh, uh, does cause some inhibition to such, um, to such initiatives. So I just can uh, hope for that to happen, but I'm not so sure it can happen in, the, in, the, in this convention
0: you talked earlier about um the two state solution israel as is a democratic and jewish state and um that has been obviously the paradigm um for in, you know on the left in israel the you know the, the mainstream left and um uh in the united states as well but of course as you know there have been more and more people who've questioned that both whether it's still practical and whether even it's the most moral outcome whether one Equal state with the equal rights for all might be a, a better um, alternative, and I, I just would be interested in hearing how you think about that that debate at this point.
1: Well, personally, I can tell you I have two reasons uh, uh, to, to 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 stick to my two state solution vision uh, and not go for equal state, equal one state with equal rights um one is uh, theoretical and one is pragmatic so in the in the theoretical level i do believe in the right of the jewish people for self determination and for the same reason i also believe that the palestinian people have the same right and i uh, don't think that um that in, in a framework of one state uh, both people can live happily ever after I think it will uh, uh, drag us to constant battle between the two people over that uh, uh, right of self-determination and I also don't see many, if any, uh, successful uh, examples in other places in the world of, of bi-national um, states uh, just managing to to have everybody happy and equal under one regime, and the most pragma- pragmatic uh, uh, answer that I, I I believe in is that. Um, well, some will say that we already have one state because Israel is uh, uh, has the power over the entire land between the Mediterranean Sea and the Jordan River. And, of course, uh, we have sovereign Israel, which is uh, mostly democratic and Jewish, and then we have the West Bank, over which Israel's uh, authority is military, but still Israel is is the highest authority there, without uh, international recognition, without uh, formal sovereignty, but We are there and we impose our regime on the Palestinian people who do not have equal rights. And uh, there are some voices in the extreme right-wing in Israel who call for annexation of some or the whole territory. And frankly, I don't believe that we can just convince them to have one state with equal rights. I think that even the right-wings, not only the the moderate left or the mainstream left, but also the moderate and mainstream right, prefers a two-state solution over a one-state equal right solution. So if you uh, um, tell the people not what is possible now or what is, uh, uh, if you have the proper partner or you have the right uh, circumstances to to go back and negotiate and uh, reach a solution. But for the long term, the vast majority in both sides, by the way, but I can tell you more about Israelis, is still proto-states one way or another. They don't want to give the Palestinians the equal right in the uh, state of Israel. And therefore, I'd rather uh, go the short way and end the occupation with the solution that most people support and not wait until everybody is convinced that equal rights should be given to everybody, and let's try this theoretical and very nice utopic vision, but in the meanwhile, we'll maintain the occupation for another some decades, because that is the time that I believe it will take to uh, implement a one state equal rights solution. So this is my more pragmatic way to see situation and, and support the two-state solution.
0: So I I very much agree with you, but I'm going to play just devil's advocate a little bit and 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 throw out a couple of arguments that I hear from people who take an opposing view. One which you hear from oh. Pal- one which you hear from Palestinians a lot is that um, that they should have the right, refugees and their children and even grandchildren should have the right to return. That it was unjust that they were forced. Uh, from their homes and that it is a, it is an important right to be able to return irregardless of whether that threatens the Jewish majority and changes the character of, of Israel and that regardless of whether there's a two-state solution or not, uh, it's not it's not unjust to demand that Palestinians abandon the right of return so that Jews can have a, a Jewish majority. How do you think about that question?
1: Well, uh, in in the theoretical level I totally agree with the need for recognition of the right of return but then the implementation can be of many forms and this is uh, um, one core issue uh, that um, on which uh, not only bilateral but multilateral agreement can be a really a really uh, a good way to solve and um, when I uh, met Abu Mazen, Mahmoud Abbas, uh, a year ago, I talked to him about that exactly. And he told me what I w- I've heard before, that the uh, leadership of the Palestinians understands that Israel cannot absorb the entire uh, amount of Palestinian refugees that is now uh, outside of Palestine and uh, because it threatens its uh, uh, character and its existence. And therefore, they can agree with different forms of recognition, compensation, uh, symbolic return of a certain number, return to the Palestinian territory, but not to the Israeli one. Um, by the way, one-state solution with a full return can really put a threat over the existence of of Jewish people in Israel, but if the Palestinians return to a Palestinian state, that's totally fine for Israel. So, uh, there can be what, as I said, symbolic return compensations and also uh, regulation and and, and, uh, improvement of the statuses of the refugees that are now outside of Palestine and uh, what they really Some of them, what they really want and need is to be able to live their lives where they are. So getting them from the status of refugees to uh, citizenship in another state that can be also party to the agreement. Um, So I think that the issue of refugees is is almost solved in that matter because I know that the the, uh, leadership of the Palestinians uh, is offering a solution that Israelis can... Uh, accept
0: So the other argument which I'm sure you're very familiar with is that uh, even if the two state solution were a good idea or had been a good idea the the settlements are simply too large, too deeply entrenched now to ever really be able to relocate enough settlers to be able to create a viable Palestinian state um, How do you respond to that?
1: Well um look in the in the beginning of the 90s israel absorbed a wave of immigration of 1 million jewish people who came from uh, the russia and the states around russia and it managed israel managed to give everybody for the long term housing uh, um to Uh, absorb them into the uh, working uh, labor market, into the system of education and everything else. We're talking here about a much smaller number of between 100,000 to 150,000 people who already are Israelis, speak Hebrew, are socially uh, uh, connected to Israel, and most of which they, they work inside Israel, they just go to sleep on the other side of the green line so moving them from the settlement where they are to another place inside israel with proper compensation and um a sort of a of a parachute to to let them uh, um regain their stable life i think that's not out of reach uh, not now and even not later and this is an argument uh, frequently said by uh, settlers in order to, to fulfill their goal, which is to uh, have the land. And that's why some of them, the more ideological ones, went there. I can tell you, by the way, that the majority of the settlers are the non-ideologic ones uh, who just moved to the West Bank out of uh, need to to uh, have uh, uh, better lives, economically, uh, social-economical situation that is uh, easier on the other side of the West Bank. I also see that when um, the settlers' uh, movements, when they sell houses in the settlements, they don't say, uh, come fulfill your ideological dream and live in uh, Judea, for example, They mostly say, come buy a cottage with a garden in a price you can never get inside Israel, and it's only uh, half an hour away of the center of Israel. So this motivation is very easily reversed if you give proper compensations and surveys show that most of the settlers will evacuate uh, independently if they're offered the right terms. There will be. An ideological minority that will be uh, will have to be handled. we saw how it was handled in the dis- during the disengagement. Hopefully we can uh, um, learn and do it better this time but it's totally uh, um, feasible and it's and by all means it's more practical than Keeps maintaining the occupation over the West Bank over almost three million Palestinians. I mean, moving the minority of settlers. By the way, most settlers get to stay inside Israel in most of the of the programs for two state solution. Um, if we have land swaps with the Palestinians, because the biggest settlements or the settlement blocks are close to the Green Line and can be annexed to Israel as part of an agreement. So, 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 so relocate, relocating the, the minority of the settlers is not as big project as maintaining the occupation forever and uh, forcefully controlling people who don't have equal rights. I mean, the, the insanity is maintaining the situation as it is. It's not so insane to move Israelis back to Israel.
0: Tzadik, I wanted to ask you one last question. Um, one of the things that always intrigues me about uh, activists in Israel who are fighting for Palestinian human rights and Israeli democracy is w- what it is like on a day-to-day basis to be involved in a struggle when you know you're surrounded by a society in which most people really see things quite differently. Um, there, you know, not many Israelis, D- Jews, go back and forth. To sp- into the West Bank to spend time with Palestinians to, to work with them to try to protect their human rights like you do. And I'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit about what that experience is like to be uh, an Israeli. Obviously, there's been a lot of attacks on Israeli peace activists and human rights activists. What it's like to be an Israeli peace and human rights activist in, in Israel today?
1: Well, as I told you, the last decade has been very tough to be a leftist, because the government of Netanyahu was the main force of delegitimization for our work and position. And uh, also uh, there was legislation against us that really narrowed the space in which we can be active. Um, Sorry for the noise. It's okay. um, But but, uh, uh, first... We are very, uh, um, we believe in what we do, and that keeps us uh, active and truthful to our activity. We support each other, and whenever an organization is attacked by the government or by the right wing, the other organizations stand um, by them and support them so that we uh, gain a stronger civil society. And I can also tell you that Peace Now is an example of an, an organization because I think thanks to its uh, a long years of activity, it's really, really hard to, to delegitimize. We are 40 years uh, active by now, and therefore, uh, we are invited to mainstream forums. We do talk to children, students very often, and... Uh, one of the most important uh, um, outcomes of those interactions is that people get to um, to question their con- con- their their uh, um, position on the left wing because they see an actual uh, activist that looks and sounds like them and s- speaks uh, a- in a very logical way and uh, often sem- sentimental way and moral way of why we do what we do. And people very easily identify with it. The the gap, I believe, is in the um, exposure and platforms that we get uh, to talk to the Israeli people. Because once they meet us, they uh, usually like us and connect to us and believe in our ideas, and then they say, okay, so why don't you talk more? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. why don't we talk more? Because we, <laughs> we are not given... Uh, resources were not given uh, time in the media uh, it's a it's a common concept that Israeli media uh, is leftist and I'd argue that it became very much uh, right-wing during the um, last years and it's not uh, taken for granted that we even get the opportunity to, to be heard
0: Shaket, thank you so much for spending this time uh, with me, and um, good luck in all of your future work.
1: Thank you, Peter.